0: We are here with Mike Morin uh, from the Access Fund, and uh, Mike, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, um, how did you get to where you are?
1: Sure. Um, so, from um, central Maine originally, uh, I studied parks recreation tourism in College, I was a park ranger for the state of Maine for one season before I moved out west to Colorado after school. Um, about in 2005, I moved to Colorado. and. Worked for two seasons as a park ranger before getting hired on full-time for uh, with the agency um, out there, Jackson County Open Space. And um, I worked as a park ranger and focused on uh, managing parks in the southern part of the county for about uh, six years or so. Um, also developed a climbing ranger program um, with the county in my time there. Um, after my time as a ranger, I spent a couple years as a recreation manager where I was acted as a liaison between the agency and different user groups, focusing on uh, ways to engage volunteers in stewardship yeah. in areas that we were managing, and um, after th- after that, uh, moved on to uh, work for the Access Fund um, as part of their travel and conservation team. Uh, we spent three years traveling the country, building sustainable access trails, to climate areas, um, and teaching local volunteers kind of some skills around that.
0: Very neat. And um, what is the Access Fund, yeah. um, and what do you do the, for them currently? Sure, yeah. So
1: the Access Fund, we're a national nonprofit. We work to keep uh, climate okay. areas open you and conserved across the United you States. And um, for my role with the Access Fund, I'm the Northeast Regional Director, which means I work on projects from Maine down to PA in New Jersey, uh, everything in between, and it can be conservation work to policy work, uh helping local uh volunteer organizations get off the ground and um we rely the access relies heavily on local volunteers to do our work and so we uh, foster a network of over a hundred local climate organizations across the country that um, that work to uh Really, our work is the same kind of, the same projects we do, just keep in common open concerns. Very cool, very cool.
0: Um, can you tell me a little bit about what the Access Fund does in New England specifically?
1: Yeah, so in New England, the Access Fund, we, I mean, much of the same way we work in any other state uh, or another region of the country, um, we, we work on things like, uh, work on current, well, some current list of projects I'm working on right now here in uh, North Conway. Um, where we have, we recently launched the Cathedral White Horse Ledge Stewardship initi- Initiative. Um, and that's focusing on tackling, uh, some of the erosion concerns that are occurring on the trails that climbers use and also hikers as well, um, to access the ledges. So this year we brought our access fund conservation teams to town for a couple of weeks to do some work on the north end of Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Um, and that work was supported, uh, by Sterling Rope Company and, th- and, um, I worked this year to apply for two grants that we're still waiting to hear back on, um, but if we get the the funding, we'll uh, we'll bring our teams to town for 13 weeks next year to knock out a whole bunch of work um, on trails like the Bryce Path and, and again, like the climate access trails that access uh, the more popular faces of the cathedral. So that's cons- the conservation kind of angle of what we do. Um, I'm also working down in New Jersey with a uh, state assembly to try to get uh, on a bill that will uh, include rock climbing, ice climbing and bouldering in the state's Landowner Liability uh, Act. Um, that, that statute or that act uh, helps protect private landowners from liability if they open their land to recreation. Um, and so we're working to include climbing explicitly in that, in that uh, legislation. Um, outside of that, recently I've uh, been working with uh, a local group down in Massachusetts, in eastern Mass., um, the Southeastern New England Climbers Coalition that just got off the ground and we helped them kind of form and have been acting as uh, a sounding board and, a, and a, just a support mechanism for that group volunteers that they try to try to form a new organization.
0: Very cool. sounds awesome. Very helpful. Cool. Um, so then my next question is um, why should outdoor enthusiasts such as climbers, such as hikers, um, why should they care about and assist in restoration of wild places?
1: So ma- now more than ever, um, all public land management agencies, whether you're a state-run agency or uh, federal or even just very local, um, you know, funding for those, those sorts of uh, agencies is way down, as compared to in years past, um, and the work doesn't get done without engaged volunteers. Um, there's also just, um, I think, coming to the table as a resource, um, just from an advocacy perspective, um, coming to the table as a resource does a great, it's a great way to build partnerships and develop good uh, relationships with land managers, uh, and really sh- show that you want to give back, not just take the resource. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, and what would you say that, so through the work that you've done and through the Access Funds work, uh, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you encounter um, during that work? What's the biggest hurdle that you guys oftentimes have to overcome?
1: I mean, a big part of our job, my job, uh, when I embark on a new project, is building relationships. Mm-hmm. and so. Sometimes those can be challenging to get, to get you know get you put in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that I, I would say by and large that's probably what takes the most work. Oftentimes is is just you know developing that rapport with the land managers, showing them that if they're not familiar with uh, with climbers or, or the access fund, what we've done as agents or the organization for the past twenty six years, um, just kind of getting them up to speed and feeling comfortable in the fact that. Um, our user group, climbers, hikers, anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are organizations out there that will that have the capacity to show up and do the work.
0: Very cool. All right. Um, and have you seen the impacts of climate change through your work, um, whether it's up here in New England or while you were out in Colorado?
1: Yeah. You know, it's 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 hard. You know, it's hard to say, but I think uh, anecdotally, there's a lot of uh, observations that have been made out there, especially here in, in North Conway with ice climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a fella uh, doing. Um, actual study on uh, kind of the progression of or changes in ice formations ice flows here in the valley over the past you know, 20, 20 plus years so mm-hmm. I think that's um, and the winter uh, pursuits are where we're really seeing a big um, at least it seems we're seeing a big change in, in how those are forming up and how long the season is which has implications not only in recreation but also the economy I mean mm-hmm. the local economy here in Oklahoma a, a a significant number of people are guides that make their living off of the seasons, and if the ice flows are fall down earlier and show up later, mm-hmm. that means their season to get out and guide clients is much shorter.
0: Okay, um, I'm going to go slightly off script yeah. here, but because you did mention something, um, does the Access Fund work with the scientific community at all mm-hmm. closely, and if so, in what capacity, um, and what do they do to assist you in the work that you
1: do? Right. Um, so to this point. Most of our, our science work, our support of research in <coughs> the social science and economics okay. uh, area, um, has been more around uh, looking at, um, climbing, uh, as an economic driver, uh, looking at how people visiting an area have an impact on the local economy. So, uh, we, we, we have a grants program, um, and we've used that grant program to support research in, um, the Red River Gorge in Kentucky. Uh, the Pisgah-Nanahela National Forest in North Carolina. Uh, We're working on a project right now to get get it off the ground in the New River Gorge in West Virginia. I'd like to get a similar thing up here in the White Mountain Mm -hmm. National Forest. Um, We are definitely interested in working more with um, the scientific community and using our grants to fund research. We just haven't had an opportunity to kind of do that in in Mm -hmm. terms of uh, looking at the natural sciences.
0: Very cool. All right. So that is good to know that that opportunity exists. Yeah. so then another question that we have uh, is that, do you, how do you think that the growing popularity of the sport of climbing, uh, which has boomed over the past couple of years, um, will affect the work that you do and the mission of the Access Fund as a
1: whole? I mean, it's already in- impacted how we, how we work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as more and more climbers come into the outdoors, um, educating the masses has become more and more a priority. Because um, as our numbers increase, our impacts, just even if we do everything right every day, we go outdoors, we're going to have an impact. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so, um, getting um, the broader populace of climbers, I mean, we've estimated 7.2 million climbers in the United States um, by some estimates. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: a lot. Yeah, that's a lot.
1: Um, I mean, that includes people that go, that go to the gym and maybe will never go outside, but it's but it encum- that, that is 7.2 million people that identify as climbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, education is a big one. We've really started to focus on environmental education. Um, we launched a program called the, uh, the, the Climbers Pact, mm-hmm. uh, which is really um, Leave No Trace principles tailored to the climbing space. Okay. Uh, thinking about you know our visual impact, but also our uh, impacts around human waste and that sort of thing as well. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big one. Um, you know, as our as we have more and more. People out there it also presents an opportunity. I mean, we, the climbing uh, community, the, the population of people that are out there climbing, we're having more and more of an influence. Uh, we have a bigger, a more opportunity to to influence public policy uh, because we are uh, more of a force. We we do we are, are um, we do an annual event called "Climb the Hill," where we go down with the American Alpine Club. Where we go down. Um, to DC and meet with legislators to talk about issues, or you know, it could be antiquities um, act, uh, you know, Bears uh, ears, which has been a hot button issue yeah. in the in, media in the past year, um, or a variety of other um, things. And um, having the bigger your constituency, the more influence you have. And so there's a positive, I think, to that that growth in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, but there definitely are um, yeah. elevated impacts you have to deal with as well. well.
0: Of course, okay. Um, and then, so, second to last question. Um, so. In my opinion, and in the views of a lot of my uh, climber friends, you're living the dream. <laughs> you you get to climb, you get paid to work with climbing. Um, you did spend a period of your life driving around the U.S. West, um, camping on the weekends. More than just uh, the
1: West, the entire U.S.
0: Okay, yeah, so you yeah. got to drive around the entire U.S. Yeah. Um, and climb on the weekends and also get paid to do work. Um, so, what advice do you have for college students or recent graduates that are looking to kind of follow in that path to combine the education that they worked really hard for uh, with their passion for
1: the outdoors. Um, I would say that, you know, I think this is a, historically um, getting in, engaged into land management, into environmental science work um, outside of academia um, really requires to some degree a, a level of dedication to um, almost sacrifice after all those years of sacrifice in mm-hmm. school, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keep working, okay.
1: <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, it's it's it's, it's um, it, it can be a hard pill to swallow sometimes. I think when you get out of school and you have this debt, and you have to go into work seasonal, seasonal, seasonal jobs, or um, or low-paying nonprofit work or internship. Um, but the reality is, if you're dedicated to that over the course, you know, within a few years, I think opportunities start to present themselves. You know, seasonal work internships are like are working interviews, and so. Keeping your eye on the prize and and being willing to uh, to embrace it as an opportunity. I mean, to to be free and work six months one place and six months another, and have the opportunity to travel between jobs uh, is really. I think later in life you realize what a what a uh, just what opportunity it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's obviously we're all we all want a stable year round. Most of us want a stable <laughs> year round job. Uh, but um, there's definitely some uh, sentiment. Looking back on those years of working as a seasonal um, employee for for, for in the parks, um, it's definitely there's, there's something really special about that. And so I'd say enjoy it. I mean, obviously, if your goals are to are to make this a career, definitely endeavor to do that. But enjoy the time that you're working towards that um, because the seasonal years are. Pretty awesome, they, and they provide you with an incredible amount of opportunity um, to learn and grow. I mean, especially if you um, take the time to kind of bounce around and work for different agencies, different organizations, you know, different land trusts, whatever your whatever your um, whatever your passions lead you. Um, it's a cool opportunities. Very
0: cool. Thank you. Um, so then, our final question um, is: What's your favorite places to climb or recreate outside uh, up here in New England? Um, where do you spend your weekends when you have a free one?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm lucky enough to live here in North Conway, so I don't leave the valley a lot. I have to admit, um, I have you know Cathedral Edge, and White Horse, are right here, five mm-hmm. minutes away. Um, so I spend a lot of time climbing there. Um, I love to get up to Acadia National Park uh, mm-hmm. and climb there and just be there. I mean, it's a spectacular spot. Um, and if I'm so, if I'm climbing, those are the those are the places I get out to. I um, also have a. Family camp up in Maine. Been okay. Spent a fair bit of time out as well. So just getting out on the water on a boat is always a, a fun way to spend the weekend as well. That
0: season is uh, coming to a close quickly. It is.
1: It is. But um, yeah, yeah. Though, though the, as you spoke to earlier, um, the climate change. Our waters are staying open a little bit earlier than yeah. <laughs> later than they used to. Um, so, so yeah, those are those are kind of the big areas I like yeah, to get out to.
0: Well, thank you very much. Um, I super appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with us.